So for any of you who don't know me, my name is Jared O'Connor. My wife and I have been here at Bethel for about five years, and I get the privilege of leading our staff team here in the UP, um, who I would love to introduce you to. So this is our team uh, at our fall retreat uh, a few months ago at Get You Me Bible Camp up in the Keweenaw. And uh, this is my family. Uh, So that's my wife, Allison, and then our five kids, Everly, Liam, Ireland, and you may recognize the twins as the one who trampled your kids at some point, uh, Charlotte and Olivia. This is Mish Baumgartner. Uh, Michelle, or Mish, uh, is one of our resident Upers. Uh, she's been coming to Bethel here since about 2010, 2011, and has been on staff since then. This is Eric and Caitlin Huff. They've been on with us for about five years. Uh, Eric is a Michigan Tech grad, and Caitlin uh, graduated from Finlandia. This is Zion and Sarah Schaub. So Sarah is actually my sister uh, and her husband, Zion. Uh, they both just joined our staff team uh, this past semester, and we're very excited to have them here. And then you may recognize Dave and Susan Michaels. Dave, who's about 680 years old, has been attending Bethel since before it existed. Um, and then Susan actually just retired after 40 years of ministry, um, but continues to volunteer with us as an emeritus staff. So God grabbed a hold. Oh, sorry. Hold on. We have one more thing. So you may recognize this as the Upper Peninsula. If you look very closely, you'll see little white dots. Uh, So those are all the campuses in the UP. We have uh, eight schools at 10 locations that we dream one day of reaching all of them. Uh, We currently have two large movements at Michigan Tech and NMU. So I want to talk to you guys about, yeah, what we call our North Star. So like, what what is is crew? God grabbed a hold of my life uh, as a student at Michigan Tech, um, and I've never been the same since. Um, at the beginning of each one of our weekly meetings at Crew, uh, one of their student MCs, Will Husson Drums, was ours this week, will come up and say, Welcome to Crew. Crew is a caring community, passionate about connecting people to Jesus Christ. Another way to describe who we are is what we call our DNA. Uh, our DNA is win, build, and send, and our staff and some of our students will be coming up to share more about that uh, in a little bit. The founding verse, um, we want to talk about what our our North Star is. Uh, I would like to take a few minutes to paint you a picture uh, of where we're going and what we're doing. The founding verse of Campus Crusade for Christ, now crew, is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this command, make disciples, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. This command is repeated in every gospel and the book of Acts. It is expounded upon in 2 Timothy 2.2, which I know Brock has shared about, um, where Paul tells Timothy to take the things that he has heard from him in the presence of many witnesses and trust them to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. That this will be a multiplying thing going forward, multiplying disciples. So this is what we seek to do on campus with college students, to fulfill Christ's last commandment to make disciples of all nations. Now, I want to share with you, as a, in a way of getting to know this better, uh, a parable, for lack of a better term. I'm sure Chris Mauser can tell me later what the correct definition is. Um, so I love parables. Jesus used parables all the time. Uh, now, his are always the best ones because he's perfect, so he has perfect parables. Um, a parable is simply a non-spiritual story that conveys a spiritual truth. Uh, and I love them because often when we're learning things, uh, just learning truth does not properly engage our hearts with the actual reality that we just, of what we just intellectually learned. 
So just a little bit about me. Um, so I spent 10 years in the Michigan National Guard. Uh, in my junior year of college, 2009, I deployed to Afghanistan uh, with a unit from uh, about 120 UPERS. While we were there, we did what's called route clearance. We drove around and found and dug up the IEDs that the Taliban put in the road. Um, where we were in particular, uh, they liked complex ambushes more than IEDs. So we only had about 60 for the year, but we had about 40 ambushes in that time. While I was there, God just really broke my heart for this country. This country that has not known peace for possibly any time in its, in its existence. Um, when I went there, one of the people I got to go with was my best friend from birth. Our parents both uh, came to Christ through crew at Michigan Tech. We grew up literally, we were born six weeks apart. His name's Joe Nicholson. In 2017, uh, my friend Joe passed away very suddenly due to leukemia. They just discovered it when he was in stage four. And I remember in the months following, um, I was kind of shocked to find that in the middle of my grief, I was a little bit jealous. It was strange. And so as I kind of processed through that, what I realized was, is that there was this very direct correlation between what we experienced in Afghanistan, this idea of a deployment, of us being away from home, on a mission, doing stuff together. And what it was like was that we were doing this together, but then Joe just got to go home early. And I was a little jealous. So, I want you guys to imagine that you grew up in a country like that, right? So a country that's war-torn from generation to generation, right? You've grown up with your parents telling you the stories of all the different um, terrible things that have happened, the suffering that's been inflicted on you by foreign invaders, by neighboring tribes, even by other families in your village, right? And even at this moment, as you look around, things just keep getting worse and worse, Rapes are now happening on the street daily. Men go from house to house, looting, murdering indiscriminately, right? You've grown up and this is everything that you've known. You've actually participated in this your whole life. One day though, you finally realize the hopelessness of your situation. You realize that there's no way out. And actually at this point, the best you could probably hope for is just an easy death. But you realize that you don't deserve even that. So you sit in the corner of your house praying that the voices you hear outside won't come to your door. Suddenly you hear a knock at the door. So strange, because no one ever knocks. So fearfully, you walk to and you open the door, and in front of you is standing a man in full body armor with a kind face. And you look behind him and you see a team of men and women dressed in similar gear. He tells you that you don't have to stay here, that there actually exists another country, and that there, that country is offering amnesty for crimes, um, citizenship, and even adoption into the royal family of their king, whose name, he says, is Jesus. This is the first hopeful thing you've heard in your entire life. Um, so skeptically, you um, ask to meet this Jesus that he's talking about. He smiles, leans in, talks into his radio, and a moment later, a man walks around the corner wearing nothing but a white robe that looks like it's been dipped in blood. He walks right up to you and holds out his hand, and in it is a golden passport book. It already has your name and your picture in it. And he says it's yours if you want it. As soon as you reach out and take it from his hand, he pulls you into an embrace and whispers, now you're mine. Jesus looks around at the squad of soldiers and shouts, let's get this one home. The last planes could be leaving any day. You walk through streets that used to terrify you, looking up to what you see as a strong fortified base on a hill just outside of town, somehow you never noticed before. As you enter the gates onto a large runway, you see thousands of faces all looking at you and they begin cheering. You see huge jets with people piling into them, overjoyed as they take off, and you feel the urge to rush in to get on one and get away to your new home and away from all this suffering. Just as you are about to leap forward, you feel a hand on your shoulder. 
you turn to see Jesus again, and he's holding up to you a kit of armor, your name on one side and his on, on the other. Looking you in the eyes, he leans down, and he says he knows how badly that you want to go, but that's not your plane yet. Then he tells you with tears forming in the corners of his eyes that there's others, many others, people just like you, still trapped, still lost, who don't even know that this place exists or how to get there if they do. He can't leave just yet, but he wants you to come with him and help, them find, and help find them. He says many won't listen to you, whether they enjoy all the killing or they just think that it's too good to be true, but he says we'll keep going anyway, that you'll get home someday and you'll go together. But today, he says with tears in his eyes, people I love are still lost. At that moment, he steps away, waving his hand in a circle, and you see the other squad members strapping helmets and weapons back on. They and Jesus all turn to you with expectant smiles. What then will you do? Will you join Jesus in his mission to save those that he loves, working hand in hand with the very one who saved you alongside many brothers and sisters who were all just like you? Or we decide to try to find the comfiest spot on the runway. You know, maybe start piling some rocks and make a little sunshade and make your wait for your plane just a little more comfortable. Maybe you spend your time studying all the planes that come in and begin impressing everyone else in the airport with your aeronautical knowledge. Maybe you feel bad for the others that are sitting outside the base, and so you find some food and start tossing it over the wall, but, you know, don't tell them what's on this side because you don't want them to feel bad about the place that they live. We are invited to be part of the greatest story possible to tell, playing a very real part. Romans 10 says, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction now between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. This is the great commission of Jesus to us. We are invited and commanded to join Jesus to go outside the wire where there's very real danger and we will most certainly suffer. But we do it alongside our Savior and our brothers and sisters rescuing people who are just like we were. I've spent the majority of my life longing for heaven, thinking of all the joys and the experiences that I will have side by side with Christ. One day, though, I realized that of all the infinite new ways in which I will know Christ there, there are some that I will never have. There are some joys, privileges, and experiences that if I do not get them here, I never will. In heaven, I will never get to know what it is like to be the tool that God uses to share the gospel with someone. I will never get to feel his heart for the lost as we work on mission hand in hand <clears throat> together to find them. I will never get the privilege of suffering for the name of Christ. I'm convinced that there are no faster growing bonds than shared mission and shared suffering. Any military veteran or anyone who's played on a sports team will tell you the same. So if I don't get the chance to know Christ by joining in his mission and sharing in his suffering, then in all the infinite years of heaven, I never will. So this is what we are about in crew. We're forming our squad alongside Jesus, joining him as he seeks to save thousands of lost students at NMU and across the UP, each and every one of them he loved enough to die for to build each other up and support each other along the way. We are 
a caring community passionate about connecting people to Jesus Christ. My prayer is that each and every one of you makes the same choice, same choice to step out and go with Jesus on his mission to reach all those around you in your neighborhoods, in your workplaces, at your schools, in the unique mission field that he's placed you in. So I'm going to welcome up Zion next, uh, and he's going to talk a little bit more about WIN and what's going on in the UP. Thanks. Thank you, Jared. Uh, yeah, so three core values of crew, WIN, build, send. Uh, I'm going to talk about WIN. Uh, and first I want to, or sorry, WIN. So in crew, we want to introduce people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Crew's committed to getting the gospel to every student on every campus. And first, I'll give you a little more context about our mission field. So coming into college, it's very natural for students to experience a bit of an identity crisis. Students are leaving the house for the first time, discovering who they are, what they really believe in, uh, and what they want to do with their lives. They can experience a lot of pressure coming from a lot of different directions, from school, from society, from their own flesh from their new friends, from their family, all influencing them to put their identity in things that can ultimately be unfulfilling. Uh, some of these things aren't necessarily bad things to include in our broad identity, but they will ultimately fail us if we make them the number one defining trait of our lives. Uh, students today are being influenced to put their uh, identities in things like uh, sexual orientation and gender perception are big ones right now. Uh, political views, uh, sports, especially if you came in on some kind of scholarship, uh, who their family is and maintaining their values, uh, academic success, acceptance from their peers, and romantic relationships, just to name a few. Uh, the last two I listed were the biggest influences on my identity coming into college at Michigan Tech. Go Huskies! Sorry, I have to give our students a hard time. Uh, I grew up uh, going to church, but was never taught how to actually have a relationship with Jesus. And since I didn't know God or his love uh, for me in high school, I filled that longing with having friends and feeling accepted. This led to lots of drinking and drugs as I desperately tried to fit in. Then toward the end of high school, I began, uh, my identity began to shift to a very codependent relationship that I was in. I was so wrapped up in that relationship that it started to negatively affect my relationships with my friends and my family. I brought that relationship into college, and after a couple years when it, that relationship finally ended, uh, I felt like I was left with no identity at all. Luckily, God had a plan to help me find my true identity in Christ. My RA in the dorms my freshman year was a guy named Johnny Kay, who just happened to be one of the main student leaders and crew at the time. He quickly realized my identity crisis and was committed to helping me find the right path and winning me to Jesus. For two and a half years, Johnny Kay poured into me and spoke truth into my life. So when that unhealthy relationship ended and I found myself at the end of my rope, I decided to surrender my life and my identity to Christ. Once I did, my life was never the same. Because I didn't need to rely on the approval of others anymore, I could just be myself, be vulnerable, and build deep, long-lasting relationships with students that I met in crew. It was the first time I ever felt like I had friends that genuinely cared about my well-being. I was also free from clinging to romantic relationships, and because that pressure was lifted, again, I could just be myself around women. Uh, shortly after I gave my life to Christ, I met a girl named Sarah, who, like Jared said, is uh, one of his 12 siblings. And after I graduated, uh, we got married. 
Um, and most of my groomsmen were crew guys, including Johnny K. Sarah and I both found our, <clears throat> excuse me, Sarah and I both found our identities in Christ during our time involved in crew here in the UP. A few years, few years into marriage, we felt God calling us to help college students find Jesus and put their identities in him as well. So after five years of mechanical engineering, I quit my job and we moved uh, here to Marquette to join in God's mission to win students for the kingdom. So how do we win students for Jesus? Uh, well, there's a few ways. One is by having uh, spiritual conversations with students using uh, tools we call solarium or perspective cards. Um, and the goal for these spiritual conversations is to, at the end, uh, have a gospel presentation using a booklet we call the KGP or Knowing God Personally. Uh, one of our, what we call God-sized prayers um, for this semester is that all the students involved in our group would share the gospel at least once. Uh, one thing our team has noticed this year, uh, this past year, is a drastic increase in the willingness of students to engage in spiritual conversations. And so because of this at NMU alone last semester, we saw at least 10 students uh, pray to receive Christ. Another way we win is through student-led outreach events throughout the school year. Uh, early last semester, our group gave about 70, I think it was, potted plants uh, to students in exchange for filling out a spiritual survey. Uh, and then the week before Christmas break, our group handed out around 200 candy canes to students with invitations to join our Christmas-themed uh, worship night. Another way we win is uh, by simply inviting students into our community of believers. Um, so here's a story and a firsthand example of how we have seen that recently. Uh, Annie came to Michigan Tech from a mixed religious household and identified heavily as Jewish. Literally, it was like, my name's Annie and I'm Jewish. Uh, during her first semester, she was at a swing dancing event on campus and some students from our group invited her to come to Crew's large group meeting that week. Uh, she decided to attend and although she was not a Christian, she connected deeply with the worship and the message. She decided to continue going to the meetings and as she got to know the Crew students better, she started hanging out with them outside of the weekly meetings as well. Over the next couple of years, as Annie continued to hear the message of Jesus and interact with students that followed him, she became increasingly interested in following Jesus herself. She eventually agreed to be discipled or mentored by an upperclassman girl and crew. After a few months of studying the Bible together in discipleship, Annie accepted Christ as her savior. Uh, one other way we win students is through what we call ministry teams or smaller groups of students that work together toward a specific ministry goal. Sarah and I have a particular passion to assist our international outreach team that we have at Michigan Tech. If you're not familiar with the 1040 window, it's the region of the globe between the 10 degree and 40 degree northern latitude in the eastern hemisphere. Uh, in this region, poverty is high, there's little to no Christian influence or resources, is predominantly Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, Jewish, or atheist. Many governments in the 1040 window are either officially or unofficially opposed to Christian work of any kind within their borders, and it is the most unreached region of the world. One really cool thing about Michigan Tech is there's a very high percentage of international students. 
uh, about 1,000 of the 7,000 student population. And most of them come from that 1040 window. Uh, so their few years here in college uh, could be the only time they ever have in their lives to hear the gospel message. And because of this, we have a ministry team at Michigan Tech that seeks out friendships with these students and are intentional about sharing the gospel with them. For spring break this March, I will actually be taking a couple of our students with me to a country in the 1040 window in the Middle East to share the gospel and attempt to win students for Christ there and fulfill the Great Commission that way. So that's when, and uh, now Mish and Ruth are gonna be making their way up here to share about building students through discipleship. Yeah, so as Jared mentioned, our North Star is multiplying disciples. And so we wanna become disciples who join God in making disciples of all nations. In CREW, there are a number of opportunities to be built up in your faith, everything from Bible studies and mentoring opportunities. There are also retreats and conferences. Last semester, we launched something new and tried discipleship pods, essentially small group discipleship versus one-on-one. -on -one. Discipleship pods are a place where we intentionally care about one another and connect others with Christ. God breathed fresh life into this idea of pods. Last semester, Catherine and I co-led a discipleship pod with some of the loveliest women, Elia, Mia, and Ruth, who's here with me today. We met almost every week for about an hour between classes. We dug into the word, we prayed together, we bonded as sisters in Christ, and we also learned how we could connect others with Jesus. One day we spent time brainstorming with Elia how to reach out to the women's rugby team that she's a part of. We talked about the idea of making a list of all of her teammates and starting to pray for them every day. Mia started a Bible study with friends who don't yet know Jesus as a way to build bridges into deeper friendship and also gospel opportunities. Catherine finished out her last semester seeing God transform two of her friends, bringing them from darkness to light, coming to know Christ, and growing in Him. It was very messy, but isn't that where Jesus meets us in the mess of life? This morning, Ruth is joining me to share a glimpse of how God has used crew and discipleship pods in her life to grow her as a disciple of Christ. Crew has completely changed my life forever. I thank God for providing me with these amazing opportunities with Crew. I attended our Thursday meetings called 808, and I was also part of a discipleship pod last semester. In my discipleship pod, I had four other women with me, and leading was Mish and Caddy. We were able to talk about our personal struggles, questions, fears, and prayer requests. In my first discipleship pod meeting, I was nervous about asking questions, but then very quickly realized people in my discipleship pod also had the same questions, concerns, and fears. I remember one meeting, someone shared a concern, and then we all almost had a sigh of relief because we were all struggling with it as well. This made us feel like we were not alone. We were then given Bible verses and strategies to help us while still keeping God at the center of our lives. With the discipleship pod, I had people checking in with me weekly about events going on in my life. We were all there for each other and prayed for each other weekly. We would always start off our meetings by sharing what we called the rose, bud, and thorn. Our rose was something that made us happy that week, bud was something that we were looking forward to, and the thorn was something that made us sad, upset, or maybe just didn't go the way that we wanted it to. We used this to check in on each other. We then prayed before getting started on our devotional, and we prayed for what people in our group were struggling with that week. I enjoyed going every single week, and it always brought a smile to my face. 
Overall, Crew has given me a place to call home on my college campus. Whether it's at our weekly meetings, discipleship pod, or even just walking around campus and seeing someone in Crew and getting greeted with a big warm smile. I've been able to focus on my relationship with Jesus and I have people cheering on me every step of the way. And I'm truly blessed to have something this amazing in my life. And I can't wait to see all the things God has in store for us. Yeah, I'm so thankful for the God, the ways God is moving in all of our hearts, transforming us more into his image, and that we really just get to be a small part of what he's doing. Last semester, there were 27 NMU students involved in pods, six students leading along with staff, 36 students engaged in discipleship, 17 students who went out sharing on campus with other students. And there were two volunteer staff, Ailey and Rebecca, who many of you knew, know, who took steps of faith to disciple women. God is making disciples and continuing to grow us all more in his likeness. Next, I'd love to introduce a close friend, if you know her or you love her, Susan Michaels, who will share a little bit about how God is sending students. The third big emphasis in our DNA relating to the Great Commission is sending. And we really treasure the years we get to mentor students. But the ultimate goal is that they walk with Christ for a lifetime and that they live with a sent mindset wherever God leads them, whether that's in full-time vocational ministry or being a teacher or being in the medical field, wherever God calls them. And we call that 100% sent, helping students see that wherever God calls them, they're sent to represent him well, to, be, to continue to be a multiplying disciple, and to be equipped and ready to tell people about Jesus. 100% sent. But while in college, we have some amazing opportunities for students to be involved in, sending opportunities, and I'm just gonna tell you about a few of them. The first one is in the fall, it's the fall retreat, and here's a picture at Gitchigumi um, Bible Camp. There's a big group there. And this year, a gal named Taylor came for the first time, and I'd like to read something that she wrote about being at Fall Retreat. Taylor says, I remember sitting underneath the bridge at Fall Retreat during a reflection time. And here's a picture of Taylor. <laughs> I opened my Bible and started in the Gospel, specifically in Matthew. That was one of the first times I opened the Bible by myself and began to grow independently in my relationship with God. So I would say fall retreat definitely impacted my walk with God. It showed me in the best way that there was so much more that I could do in my faith. And the Bible was the first place I could start. So retreats are really a great place for students to get away from all the hubbub of being on campus and to hear from God. Then in December, we have our winter conference which staff and students just came back from. It's in Indianapolis, it's four days in Indy, where students get to hear amazing Bible talks from tremendous speakers. They engage in breakout sessions on various topics. There's an afternoon of outreach where they partner with urban churches, and just, just they have loads of fun and really bonding with their friends. Um, Isabella went to this conference, and I'd like to read what she had to say. At Winter Conference, I got to worship and praise God with hundreds of other college students, and that alone was an incredible experience. We had amazing speakers, and one talk from Ephesians really impacted my heart the most, hearing that I'm seated with Christ, which means that I'm at the best table with the best king for all eternity. 
Winter Conference was an incredible time, and I am so entirely grateful that I could attend. She's sitting right over here. Oh, and so is Taylor. So um, Winter Conference is a great opportunity as well. And then we're moving into March where we have our spring break trips. And we have been going to Panama City Beach for many years. This, this uh, sending opportunity, the students have a conference in the morning where we have music and speakers and training and how to share our faith. And then in the afternoons, we get to go on the beautiful beach in that beautiful white sand um, and get to have spiritual conversations with student or with anybody that's there. Um, and students um, learn some ministry tools during the morning where they're able to get tips on how to start conversations with people and how to transition into having spiritual conversations. So we're looking forward to going to PCB this in March. And then we're also, as you heard a little bit, going to um, the Middle East again. This is a picture of last um, Middle East spring break trip. You can see Mish and Allison in that picture. They went last year. And this year, as you heard, Zion and another student are going and there's room for a couple more to go. And besides having opportunities to have spiritual conversations, this kind of short trip really um, energizes the um, in-country staff because the short-term mission trips get to gather contacts for them. So it's a really valuable week for people that go, for people that hear, and for the in-country missionaries. And then we have our spring retreat. Uh, we're going to be at Gitchigumi Bible, or no, we're going to be at UP Bible Camp again. And another, another great time where students can get away and hear from the Lord and just, just have a really fun time. We have summer missions, which are anywhere from two weeks to 10 weeks long. They're intense and life-changing investments of a student's summer. Uh, they're held really all over the world and stateside, and students come back from these experience change people. Personally, uh, two of these options um, God got, got my attention through when I was a student. I um, went to my first winter conference, and I made a life-changing decision there that literally changed the trajectory of my life. It was amazing. And then I, uh, I also went to Wildwood, New Jersey on a 10-week summer mission. And I was a fairly young Christian, but I learned some really uh, faith-stretching things that changed my life. It was there that I actually thought I might go into full-time vocational ministry. And I also met a cute lifeguard there that was on the same mission named Dave. <laughs> um, the last thing we have for sending is internships. And these are for students or people that are in the workforce and they want to take a year out and just see what ministry is like. Often students, if they're thinking about going into full-time ministry with crew, they'll take that year and see what it's like. Or sometimes students will take that year to really fine-tune their ministry skills so when they get into the marketplace, they can really have an effective ministry. Michelle, Eric, and Caitlin started out as interns, and we're so thankful that they're working with us now. Thank you for being such a great part of this ministry with us by helping to send students to make an impact for Christ in college and for a lifetime. And now, Caitlin is coming up. She's our newest mom on the team, and she's going to share a few comments to wrap up our time today. 
Thank you all for allowing us to give you a glimpse of what it looks like to live life on mission up here in Michigan's Upper Peninsula with Crew. Um, we like to say Crew is a caring community passionate about connecting people to Jesus Christ, and I love getting to join Jesus on his mission. After the service, we will be leading the growth groups um, we have that are in the bulletin that I was supposed to bring up here with me. So that little square bulletin that you have. Um, you can see where the groups are in there, and then um, if you want to know the descriptions of each of those groups, go to each of those rooms and they will tell you what those um, groups are about. Um, thank you for your partnership in, in helping to reach the students of the UP for Christ. 